Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Massive privilege to be here and I was, uh, I was saying to Henny this morning, I cannot believe how many people there are in this building that I do not know. It's just phenomenal. It's just incredible to see, to see the growth, to see the many new faces, to see the, see the familiar faces as well. And uh, I remember this hall to be much colder when I was here. Um, so I prepared myself for the worst, that I was going to be freezing in here. But um, it's actually nice and warm. I think it's all the, the lovely bodies in here uh, warming up this place and the love being here warming up this place as well. And um, we, uh, I flew up on Wednesday. Uh, we came for the Empower 21 conference. It was an amazing conference just to rub shoulders with other parts of the body of Christ, the spirit-filled body of Christ. Amazing to meet other men and women of God who love the Lord Jesus dearly, who are passionately pursuing Him in Africa. We've got some incredible men and women in Africa that are really loving God and advancing the kingdom of God. So that was amazing. Um, but we slept over in Boxburg. It was freezing. It was absolutely freezing. I slept with my beanie and my scarf, and I was still freezing. It was so cold. And um, yeah, so Boxburg was slightly different than what I last remembered it. We stayed in Boxburg in 1985. My family moved from Garis. In the Namakoland up to Boxburg for one year, but the place has changed. It's been amazing to be there. And then yesterday, I flew to uh, to uh, um, to Bloemfontein and do a wedding. Yesterday morning, Nikki flew up from Cape Town, and I flew back yesterday afternoon. Stayed over at Kuhn's place, and he's been spoiling me rotten. Kuhn and Melissa, thank you so much for your hospitality. And then this afternoon, got a meeting in Pretoria and ministering there this evening as well. So it's it's uh, so blessed to be here. So many awesome memories in this place for us. Uh, I joked yesterday at the wedding, I said, you know, when Nikki and I, when we got married, we sang that, I think it was a Hillsong song, or United song, saying, uh, and Jesus, and we will go with you to the ends of the earth, uh, wherever you take us. And uh, the ends of the earth for us at that stage was, we would go everywhere except what we in our minds uh, called uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, so the Lord sent us uh, four years in Pretoria, three years in Johannesburg. And, uh, and then we've discovered that it's actually not Sodom and Gomorrah, it's the promised land. Because, because, uh, because you guys, you've got water. Yes. So, uh, so last night in Kuhn's house, I emptied his geezer. I showered and I showered and I showered unashamedly. I just showered and this was cleansing and it was such a therapeutic experience. God was good to me, so we missed the promised land, so many beautiful memories here, so many awesome people here, you've got a beautiful city, and this place has got a very special place in our hearts, and it's where our children were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's so many beautiful things that happened here, and Henry and Rochelle, I want to thank you for stewarding this, this amazing congregation, you know, uh, pastoring um, Shofar Janus, but I always said it's like doing a, a wedding sermon, you know, people always... Uh, compliment me afterwards, and they say, oh, it's an amazing message. And I say, but you really have to try hard to mess up a wedding. And you've got two amazing people. You've got the Word of God. I mean, you've got to really, you've got to really try very hard to do a bad sermon at a, at a wedding. And it's like pastoring this congregation as well. You know, just so many incredible leaders here, so many beautiful people here. Um, but I would never have been able to take this congregation to the level that Henny and Rochelle have been. So Henny and Rochelle, thank you so much. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for being obedient. And uh, Mama Joyce, thank you as well. Mama Joyce has been praying for me since 1995 uh, when uh, I first met Rochelle. 
and uh, uh, Rochelle and my wife, they live together in a, in a res or in a student house in Stellenbosch. And myself and a couple of guys in our church, we were about, I think, 30 or 40 people in church back then in Shofar Stellenbosch. And uh, um, the guys were, uh, there weren't many girls in, in the church at that stage. And so we felt an unction from the Lord to pray for, for ladies to get saved. And we were, we were, it was the unction driven by the, by the wind of the Holy Spirit and by our desire for, for godly women. And so the Lord laid it on our hearts to pray for this specific house. And uh, in that house, Rochelle lived there, Nikki lived there, Teresa lived there. And now three out of the four women who live there are all pastor's wives. And it's been amazing to see the fruit of our prayers, <laughs> see what God's doing. But through Rochelle, I met Mama Joyce, and she has been a faithful intercessor for me. So Mama Joyce, I thank you for praying faithfully for us. Thank you so much. Um, if you have your Bibles here or you can follow on the screen, I'm going to read for you. A couple of verses, and I've got a lot to share, and I hope through the grace of God I'll be able to get through all of it. But I want to read this story for you, and as we read it, I'm going to unpack it a little bit for us verse by verse and extrapolate a few principles that I believe the Lord is laying on my heart for us as a movement and also for us as individuals and for us as individual churches as well. So Luke 8, the 22nd chapter says, One day, he, he being Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. And so they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went, and they woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even wings and water? And they obey him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that we can be in this place. God, on this particular day, in this specific space, Lord God, with these particular people, we thank you, Lord, that you have a design plan and a purpose for each one of our lives. I thank you for what you have already come to do in our midst. I thank you for the movement of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the identity that you have come to impart to us this morning, Lord God, for removing veils and masks and walls. And through your Spirit, you are doing something eternal in our lives, Lord. We thank you that what you have started, no man can stop. What you have begun, you'll be faithful to finish, and you will complete that, Lord God. Lord, I submit my heart and my tongue and my mind to you, Lord. And I thank you for your word that is alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that I can put my trust, Lord, in the fact that your word will not return unto you void, and that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we will not just be challenged and not just stimulated and inspired this morning, but that we will be transformed, Lord God, into your image in Jesus' mighty name. So I've been contemplating a little bit lately the power of days, you know, just moving here or coming back here today, seeing how many of you... Um, I don't know, new people here, the school is different, the school has changed, uh, the gates have changed, there's so much that have changed, I think a lot that has not changed in the cities, the walls, I think the walls are just getting, getting higher, it's, it's amazing, nobody builds walls like Johannesburg, it's, it's really it's impressive, impressive walls being built, but that word the Lord brought this morning about us having to let go of the, the walls around our hearts, I think is a crucial one, and one that we have to engage with, but I've been just contemplating lately the power of days. You know, I'm 43 this, this year, and it's a beautiful age. 40s, I think, is the best time of your life. I'm in the prime of my life. I, I love it. It's incredible. But I'm thinking more and more about legacy, more than ever before. I'm thinking about the fact that I don't have forever to do what I need to do. I'm thinking more and more about the fact that the seasons in my life, they come and they go. They are not around forever. 
I'm thinking more and more about the fact that my little girl is turning 11 this year, and I probably have about five or six years left with her at home, in which I've got to impact her life. I've got to teach her and show her what a godly man needs to be. I've got to create in her an expectation about the kind of man that she is wanting to marry. I've got very little time left with her. I've got a specific time in which to impact this movement the Lord has asked me to lead. I've got a very particular time this morning with you. And I understand that time is given to each one of us, but time doesn't stay with us forever. And so thinking about this morning's sermon, I was thinking about um, a line from a television series that none of you remember because you never watched it. And it's the one from days of our lives as sand through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Now, most of you are incredibly holy or too young and so you don't remember days of our lives. Some of the older folk might remember Dallas, uh, Ewing and Bobby and all of those guys. Um, but, you know, before there was Showmax and Netflix, there were days of our lives, bold and beautiful, Igoli, all of those, all right, Isidingo, etc. The amazing thing about those soapies was that you could watch it today, switch off, come back five years later, and it would be the same. The people would look the same, you know, nothing much would have changed here and there. A plot, you know, might have thickened a little bit. Somebody that was once dead, now he's alive. You know, somebody once married to someone else, now married to their dad or to their grandson. You know, so here and there, something changed. But predominantly, the people stay the same. The plastic surgery improves, and, but you don't miss out too much. Unfortunately, that isn't life, is it? We've got days in our lives, and then we've got spaces in between. And it's important for us to maximize the days in our lives. In other words, it's important for us to maximize this day, but it's also important to maximize the spaces in between this day and next week, Sunday. It's important for us to maximize this day between what the Lord does now and what the Lord wants to do five years down the line when I have that breakthrough at my job or I have that child or I have that baby or I have that company. And so I'm going to chat to us a little bit about purpose. And I believe in the story with Jesus, there are like five or six principles that I want to highlight for you guys. And I'm going to run through them quickly. And not all of them will mean the same to each one of you, but I'm trusting the Lord this morning that maybe just one of them will speak to your heart. And we will have to look at them corporately as a Shofar church family. We will have to look at them as individual church families. We need to look at them as individual families and couples and as individuals. And the first one there is purpose. You know, and, and, and people often ask me, so what has changed in our purpose as a church family? And I say nothing has changed about our purpose. God has still called us to do what he has called us to do. But purpose finds expression within our priorities. In other words, how do we spend our time? It's Miles Monroe that has said that where purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. In other words, if you do not know your purpose, you will spend your time unwisely. So we need to know our purpose. So how are we spending our time? And then we need to understand that purpose finds its expression not in a vacuum, not in a theological seminar, not in a bunch of books, but it finds its expression within a very specific space. It finds its expression within a very specific space, and it finds its expression with a very particular group of people. It's impossible to pursue purpose without first also pursuing that purpose with the people around us. We're going to look at provision. In other words, we cannot establish and accomplish our purpose unless we use what God has given us. So what is in our hands? And then lastly, we're going to look at what actually brings about the change. Now, when I went through this story, I didn't have in mind our, our purpose statement. I didn't have in mind our core values. But as I went through them, I began to understand what the Holy Spirit was wanting to say to me. And that he's wanting to highlight for us again our core values, which we have up there. 
passion for Jesus, people to serve, purpose to pursue, and power of conviction. And as I was going through this, I began to understand the Lord is wanting to highlight a couple of them and add to them one or two more. So bear with me, buckle up. I'm going to go through them quickly and trust the Lord to nail it down. So the first verse there says, One day he, being Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So in this particular context with these particular group of people, Jesus' purpose for his disciples was revealed through his word. His word revealed his purpose. And if we want to understand the purpose that God has for us, we have to understand that we will not find that purpose outside of the Word of God. If we are serious about our purpose, then we need to be serious about the Word of God. MBAs and degrees and experiences and in-service training and all of those things and skills development programs and character testing and all of those things are important, but the fundamental thing that needs to drive our lives is the Word of God. And so the Word of God comes to the disciples at this very particular time, and he says to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So Jesus, we know, is the word of God made flesh. He is the word. And so if we want to discover our purpose, if we want to spend time around our purpose, then we need to spend time around Jesus. We need to spend time in the word. We need to spend time around the written word of God, and we need to spend time around the rhema word of God. So we need to make peace with the fact that a lot of our questions around purpose can only be discovered and answered within the context of what our scriptures say. And here we, we understand that Jesus comes and Jesus gives a command to them. Jesus gives a command to them. And, and his command to them there was, let us go across to the other side. And we see that when we talk about purpose, purpose inevitably takes us somewhere. Purpose inevitably has to do with a journey. Purpose inevitably, Yanni and Ket. Lovely to see you guys again. My goodness, awesome to see you. Um, sorry, I, I've got a tendency of distracting myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Purpose brings journey and brings momentum into our lives. And in this particular time, Jesus, as he has always done, walks into the disciples' lives and he speaks a word that moves them. He speaks a word that brings momentum. He speaks a word that takes them from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. And so we have to understand that if we want to engage with God around purpose, we have to understand that inevitably God will ask us to move. Inevitably God will ask us to move across from the one side of the church hall to the other side of the church hall where a new visitor arrives and to greet that person. Inevitably God will ask us to move from one side of the office to the other side of the office and be reconciled to a boss or to a colleague with which we had a, a disagreement. Inevitably God might ask us, to move from one part of the nation to the other part of the country to be reconciled to our dad or to our mom or with a teenage boy that we haven't spoken to in many years. There will be momentum whenever we talk about purpose. There will be movement. Jesus is the good shepherd. And we understand that Jesus is the good shepherd. It's not a shepherd that, that chases us from behind, but he's a shepherd that walks in front of us. And so whenever we talk about purpose, we have to understand that purpose is not something that you just write about, you blog about, or you read about. It is something that you move into. Purpose cannot be separated from movement, cannot be separated from going. And so God calls us fundamentally, when we think about what has God called us to do, He asks us, He, he empowers us, He inspires us to move. He inspires us to move, inspires us to go. And even as Shana shared with us this morning, part of her healing, part of her deliverance, part of her being established in her identity came as she went. 
And so there's, there's, there's a lot of healing even in our lives that can only come in establishing in our identity, establishing in understanding who we are when we go, when we move. You are here this morning because God spoke to you and said, go, go to church. You could have resisted the voice of the Holy Spirit. I've got a massive revelation for you, and if, if this is the only one that you remember this, this morning, it is that the devil will not tell you to go to church. All right, and so, and so when that voice comes, when that voice comes that asks you to go and you are here, and maybe you're wondering, can I be obedient to God? Can I hear the voice of God? Well, give yourself an applause. You are obedient to the voice of God. You are here. It's God that has led you here. You hear his voice in ways that we sometimes don't even think that we can. But the voice of God and the voice of purpose always speaks to us about moving, always speaks to us about going. And it's something that we as believers have to make a peace with. There's always movement. And so I always think about my own life and I think, how have I moved? How have I progressed? How have I journeyed? But you know, there's, there's, there's something else that is fundamental to, to our purpose. And that is that if we, if we backtrack a little bit to Mark 3, verse 14 to 15, and the previous chapters of Luke speak about this as well, but I, I've got this version from Mark's gospel, and he says, And he, being Jesus, appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles. So he appointed them. Luke says that he called to him those whom he himself wanted. He called to him those whom, whom he himself wanted, that they might go and preach and have authority to cast out demons and heal the sick and transform communities. That's not fundamentally what he called them to do firstly. If we read that scripture correctly, it says that he called them so that they might be with him. So that he might be with him. And so the first thing, the first movement, the first calling of purpose has to do with the momentum and the movement, not so much firstly to go somewhere else, but to go to God, to come to him. So purpose has this rhythm in it. Purpose's rhythm is this, this balance, this rhythm between coming to Him and going, coming to Him and going, coming to Him and going. And so our fundamental purpose is this. You can strip everything away about your purpose as a couple, your purpose for your children, your purpose for your organization. First and foremost, beyond anything else, Jesus has called us to be with Him. Jesus called us to be with Him. And, and being with Him is what defines us. Being with Jesus is what defines a disciple. It's not so much the fact that we go and we preach, that we go and we establish godly companies, that we go and we transform the community. That is not what distinguishes us. What distinguishes us is that we are people who are with Jesus. We are people who have been with Jesus, and therefore we go. And so purpose, whenever we separate purpose from our relationship with Jesus, we are in deep, deep trouble, as Bart Simpson used to say many years ago. We need to be with Jesus. We need to come to Jesus. And, and here's the amazing thing which, which has been encouraging me so greatly. Because, you know, just, just being asked to lead our, our church family for this last couple of, of months or year and a bit, you know, things uh, get complicated very quickly. Uh, uh, dimensions and aspects of communication and, and leadership gets complicated very quickly. And the Lord challenged me on this and he says, keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing that God has called us to before we do anything else is to be with him. If we are with him, then the rest gets sorted out. The rest gets sorted out because this is the crux of the matter, even in our going. The purpose for the disciples Right? Not for churchgoers, not for people who, who call themselves uh, Christians, but the purpose of disciples. The purpose of disciples is to go with Jesus wherever he went. That's the purpose for disciples. Disciples want to be like Christ. 
And they understand that in order for me to be like Christ, I have to be with Christ. In order for me to be like Christ, I have to be with Christ. And so when Jesus says, let us go across to the other side, he isn't saying, go across to the other side. Good luck. Hope you make it. See you there. Jesus challenged them once or twice with it, but predominantly when he said, let us go to the other side, he was saying, I called you to be with me, and now let us go. And so when God calls us to embrace something new, to do something that, that scares us, to do something we haven't done before, it is always with this knowledge that he is with us. And if we just keep our focus not so much, I've got to do this new thing. I've got to figure this new thing out. I've got to learn new skills. But if I make this focus, I just want to be with Jesus, then out of that, everything else flows. And in this case, for the disciples, being with Jesus meant going to the other side. If they weren't disciples, then they, 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 they could have missed this. If they weren't disciples, if they were just followers, people in the crowd, maybe that day they could have decided, now we're rather going to have a fish bry somewhere, we're going to visit somebody else. But their purpose, their purpose, the purpose that defined them, the purpose that drove them, the purpose that compelled them, the purpose that, 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 that helped them to shape how they spent their time was this, we want to be with Christ. And so at this time, being with Christ meant going somewhere that they never thought they would go. You know, up until that point, they've been hanging around with Jesus in Capernaum, other side of the Lake of Galilee, where Jesus was performing tremendous miracles. There were revivals breaking out. Uh, Luke, at the beginning of that chapter, says that during that time, Jesus went around from city to city, village to village, preaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Throngs of people, multitudes of people were following Jesus, falling over their feet to get to him. Here he heals a centurion's servant. There he raises a, a widow's son from the dead. There he multiplies bread and fish. It's just amazing miracles are happening. And it's all happening in Judea. The Messiah has come. The kingdom is coming. And the disciples are excited. And they try and put Jesus in their little Judean box. And Jesus says, let us go across the other side. Let us go across the other side. And in this case, the other side was called the Decapolis, uh, a 10 Greco-Roman cities given their independence by the Romans, right smack bang in the middle of Judea. Hellenistic, paganistic uh, culture that was so contrary to anything a Jewish boy could believe. We know they had trouble going to Samaria, trying getting them into the Decapolis. You know, we know it was filled with pagans because they were pigs. All right? and, the, and the Jewish people didn't want to have anything to do with that region. And Jesus says, I want us to go across to the other side. They would never have gone there by themselves. They couldn't even think that the gospel could mean reaching the Greeks and the Romans. We're not going to touch the pigs. We're not going to get close to them. But Jesus, and so when Jesus says, let us go across the other side, inevitably it means let us move away from your comfort zone. Let us move away from your comfort zone. And so the voice of God will always move you and usher you away from the thing that comes almost naturally to you. The people you would hang around with naturally. The things you would do naturally. Of course, he uses our natural giftings and our natural talents. But I have found that the moments of most profound moving and impacting is when I'm outside of my comfort zone. When I'm, I'm, I'm almost drowning, I'm almost saying, Jesus, if you are not with me, Holy Spirit, if you don't do this, then I'm toast and the people around me are going to waste their time. The other side. And so when Jesus speaks to us this morning, to some of you, and he says, go to the other side, the other side will almost always mean that thing that you wouldn't do on your own. That thing that takes you out of your comfort zone, takes you out of the thing that you would, would, would dream up by yourself. Where is Jesus leading you? 
You know, when we moved down to Johannesburg, and many of you were part of our journey, and you remember that, that we were going to take a sabbatical. I don't know if you can remember that. We were going to move to a place that was a little bit more comfortable. We were going to go back to the mountains and the sea and the family and, and just maintain a very low profile, right? That was our mission. That was our aim. We were going to slip underneath the radar. We were just going to hang, serve another uh, uh, pastor, another community. And that lasted for a couple of months, and then things changed, all right? But you know what? That was my, I almost rebuked the demon. I almost rebuked the, the, the time demon, stealing my time. Shana, but now you're from the Holy Spirit, all right? Pray for me that I get through it. All right, so my comfort zone, my comfort zone, my comfort zone is being in an environment where I don't have to lead. I'm a, I'm a, some people are born leaders. I'm, I'm, I'm born a follower. All right, that comes naturally to me. I want to be in an environment where I can see somebody else's vision, and I will lay down my life for that vision. I will serve that person. I will make sure that person's vision get, gets accomplished. But you know what? That is my comfort zone. That comes easily to me. That comes naturally to me, and that is not where I grow. For somebody else, that might be where they need to grow. They need, they're natural leaders. They're naturally charismatic. They're naturally speaking to people. The, the, the thing I want to do most is walk into a room and just observe. That's what I want to do. I want to engage with individuals. That's my comfort zone. But God is saying, no, you're not going to grow there. I want you to walk ahead. I want you to go out of your comfort zone. I want you to grow as a leader. I want you to be more assertive. I want you to be more direct. I want you to engage, 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 think, lead. And I'm saying, Jesus, you've got to help me. But on the other side of my obedience, there are people waiting. I was, I, was, I was 16 years old, and Tim's story preached a sermon that changed my life. I don't remember too much about the sermon except this. He said, on the other side of your obedience, somebody's waiting for you. On the other side of your obedience, somebody is waiting for you. I was in Standard 9. It changed my life, broke me down, and it set my life on a course of momentum to be obedient to the Lord. On the other side of their obedience, there was a demoniac. A man filled with a legion of demons. I don't know how many of you have gone through deliverance. I doubt whether you've gone through deliverance from a legion of demons. Right, a couple of hundred of them there, maybe even a thousand. Demons inside of him. Other side. The other side. A man so broken, Scripture says that he made his home amongst the tombs. He was much more comfortable amongst the dead than the living. How broken must you be that you feel more comfortable amongst dead people? The Bible says he ran around naked. They tried to chain him with chains and ropes, and he broke those things, and he would run around screaming through the mountains, cutting himself. What kind of trauma, what kind of abuse happened to that young man that led him to live like he did? What happened to that man? Another side of the lake, there's revival breaking out. Things are happening. And just on the other side, there's someone Losing his mind. And Jesus hears his cries. Jesus hears him. In between his preaching, in between his raising the dead, in between him ministering to people, in between the crowds following him and him having to negotiate, spending time with his disciples and with the crowd, he hears the cry of the individual. Come on, isn't this our Jesus? That in between the crowd, in between the masses of people and all of his priorities, he hears the cry of one demon-possessed young man. And he says, I'm on my way to you. I'm coming for you. And he's wanting his disciples to go there. And he arrives there and a miracle happens. He must go and read the story. I don't have time to go into it. But he leaves that young man clothed in his right man, mind a couple of hundred pigs destroyed into the ocean. 
drowned, but that young man becomes the first evangelist to the, to the heathens, to the Gentiles. That same demon-possessed man changes the Decapolis around, proclaiming the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothed in his right man. There are people around us losing their minds, people. We are a traumatized society. There are people losing their minds, losing hope, losing the sense of identity in who they are. And they are waiting for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to go over to the other side. I sometimes think that God is, the season is a season of deliverance for the church where God is wanting to cast the Christians out of the church and get us to go to the other side. Get us to go to the other side. Get us to, to move. So, so I'm, I'm trusting the Lord that you will engage with the Holy Spirit this morning as to where's your other side? Where is the Lord taking you? Where is he leading you? So I'm going to jump a few slides. And so, so purpose simply is this. God has called us. This church family, we've got our purpose up there to reach nations and generations through disciple-making, leadership development, and church planting. It simply means that we don't believe in just gathering crowds. We believe in making disciples. We'll make disciples. We'll make disciples. We'll make disciples. And we believe that God has called each one of us not to be victims, not to be subject to our circumstances and to our emotions, but to be more than conquerors, leaders, someone that will be able to lead other people. And we believe that that healing has its best chance of happening within a community of believers. Echinesis and Ozuki, me and Jesus in our corner, that's okay, but I don't grow there. I don't really grow there. I grow in community. All right, and so that hasn't changed about our purpose statement. That hasn't changed about who we are. And everywhere I go, in all of our shofar churches, I see this. I see people from different cultures and ethnic groups and languages coming together. And I say, God has put our, 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 our feet in the right direction many years ago through Pastor Fred and Lucille May. He's given us this purpose. And you know what? There wasn't a purpose that sucked out of, out of the air. It comes from Scripture. Jesus told us, didn't he? And he said, I want you to go. I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And there it is again. Go, 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 go. But remember, I'm with you. Go, remember, I'm with you. Go as you plant the church. Go as you plant the business. Go as you plant the NGO. Go as you plant the seeds of the marriage. Go as you plant the kids. Go, remember, I'm with you. Always, even to the ends of the age. And so that's our purpose, guys, as, as a group of people. As individuals, purpose is simple. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to him. If you're close to him, he will take you where he needs you to go. Don't complicate things. Simplify them. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to him. And how do you know that you're close to Jesus? How do you know that you are, that you are fulfilling your purpose? Don't, 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 don't show me what, what you are reading. Don't show me what you are listening to. Don't, don't show me any of those things. Don't just listen to what I'm preaching. Look at how I'm spending my time. Show me how you're spending your time and how you're spending your money, and I will show you your priorities. Our priority is not in what we say. It's not about what happens here on a Sunday. It is how we spend our time. We cannot talk about our purpose and not talk about our priorities. If our purpose is to spend time with Jesus, if our purpose is to be with Jesus and to be like him, then that has to translate into what we call passion. And I just use the word priorities there because I think sometimes passion gets a little bit up in the air. What's, you know, one, one person's passion is, come on, yes, come on. Try, yes. It's amazing how many people understand it around the rugby field. Eh? Come on. High-fiving around passion, but then you now somebody else, maybe it's on the inside. I'm happy. I'm ecstatic. 
You won't know it, but I am. Believe me, take my word for it. Trust me, I am. Yes, yeah, so, so passion is, is subjective, but priorities isn't. Show me how you're spending your time and your money, and I will show you your priorities. I can say I love my wife. We're married 15 years now. I can say I love her, but if I spend more time with the church and I spend more time with other things than with her, then there's a big question mark over that. You know, uh, I know some people that are passionate about their cars. Polish the tires, you know, buff the thing. Would keep other people away from it, from scratching it, you know, would rub the kinders with the it's more than the car. You know, and, and it's nothing bad with being that passionate about a car. But if you're more passionate about the car than your family, spending more time polishing that thing and beautifying that thing, then something is wrong. Some of us are, are much more passionate about Facebook than we are about the real people around us. How do we know? How can I say the world? Show me how much time you spend on Facebook and engaging with your kids. It's as simple as that. Our priorities and our passion get revealed within our time. And so the Lord has just been challenging me and saying to me, Heinrich, I want you to bring this, this whole idea, this whole concept of, of passion for Jesus back to us as a church. We've been good in pursuing our purpose, but we need to understand time with Christ. And time with Christ doesn't get applause, does it? Time with Christ is not what, what other people will see and what other people will jump about and other people will get excited about. People get excited about sermons. They get excited about the bottom line and profits increasing and, and all of those things happening. But time with Christ is just time with Christ. And nobody else can regulate that for me. It's between me and my Lord. It's between me and Jesus. And in the, in biblical, in the biblical context, you know, that verse starts off, verse 22, says, One day, you come off my up, Shana, where? One day he got into a boat with his disciples. One day, one day, one day. Now, within the biblical context, there are, there are two Greek words used for time. The one is chronos, and it speaks about chronological time. In other words, on the 20th of May, 2018, you were all gathered here. Something happened in a very specific time. Right? One day, very specific time. And Moses speaks about this, and Moses says in, in, in Psalm 90, it's like the prayer of Moses. Um, he has this prayer, and he, and he says, Lord, teach us. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to count our days. Why do we need to count our days? Because we, we measure and we count what is valuable. The, the shepherd that went looking for the one sheep could go looking for the one because he counted them. Why did he count them? Because they were precious to him. If they weren't precious to him, he wouldn't have counted them. And we're like, oh, come sheep, there we go, 50, 100, doesn't really matter. You know, we just, I think I've got 100. And then he goes in. Two of them eaten by a wolf, he wouldn't even know about it. But he counted them. Why did he count them? Because they were valuable and precious to him. What is valuable and precious to us, we count it, we measure it. Days are precious. Days are precious. I, I wish I'd known what I know now many years ago. I wish I was more purposeful about some of my days, how I'd used it. But I'm determined to get the most out of my days that the Lord has given me still. And so Moses says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we might bring to you and present to you a heart of wisdom. So I believe that wisdom, a massive portion of wisdom is found in how we're numbering our days. It doesn't just mean celebrate your birthday every year. It means evaluate your days, think about your days, Plan your days, assess your days, journal around your days. In other words, what did I learn up to this point? You know, because 
For you guys, being here this morning is a priority to you. That's why you are here. That's why you are here. If, if it wasn't a priority, you could have been, I don't know, what do you guys do again here? Again, be in the park. You could have been, you know, botanical gardens. You could have slept in. You could have played golf. You know, all sorts of things. But you are here because it's a priority to you. This day, you've prioritized this day. Chronical, chronological time. And I, I've come to understand this. If we count our days, there's a very good chance we can get our days to count. If we count our days, it's a very good chance we can get our days to count. If you want your days to count, in other words, if you want your days to make a difference, then you have to count them. You have to measure them. You've got to be intentional about them. You've got to pray over them. You've got to say, Lord, give me this day in my daily bread. God, I've got this day. I've got this day to be obedient to you. I've got this day to grow with you. I've got this day to learn more about you. I've got this day to engage with you. I would come to church many, many, many years ago as a student, and I would say, God, this day, I don't want to leave the same. God, I'm, I, I don't like speaking to people. I'm petrified of speaking to people. But you know what? I'm going to practice to be the best doorkeeper shofar has ever seen in all of its history. So I would stand at the door of the church. We would hand out little pamphlets, back then announcement sheets. And I would smile and say, hi, how are you? And I would learn names. and say, I'm, I'm going to stand there. I'm going to practice my smile in the mirror. I was very self, self-aware of my smile. And I just practiced myself out of it. Yes. Good one, you've got a beautiful smile. I just smiled myself. <laughs> I smiled myself out of my inferiority because I said, God, this day I'm going to grow. This day, today, I'm going to grow. And the Lord came and he brought deliverance through me and he established things in my life because I said, God, this day, today. And I've come to realize that how we spend our chronos time, our chronological time, determines very much how we will spend our kairos time. Kairos time speaks about God's divinely appointed seasons. Right in this verse, um, here in uh, Ecclesiastes, it says, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. It doesn't just speak there about it, a specific day only. It speaks about a season. It speaks about a time when God transitions us and the water gets stirred. The angel stirs the water and says, today is a time of healing. Today, we're living in the time of the Holy Spirit. There's a season where we don't rely upon our own strength. We rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit. There, there are appointed times. There are appointed seasons. There, there, there are seasons in our lives. And if we don't use our days well, we miss our seasons. If we are not intentional about our days for the disciples, their season for that day, it started off them just doing what they were normally doing every day, just being with Jesus, hanging with Jesus, walking with Jesus, being close to Jesus. You know, the end of that, that day, their lives were changed. They had a revelation of Jesus, not just as the prophet, not just as the teacher, not just as the miracle worker, but as the one that has authority over the winds and the waves. And the Bible says they were filled with fear. What happened? They had an encounter with God. They would have missed that encounter had they not spent their days like they normally spent their days, intentionally being with Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying to you? If we are not intentional even about the good habits in our lives, we can miss the seasons. We can miss the seasons, how we spend our days. Our chronos determines how well we are positioned to receive the kairos, the season. If I didn't make quality decisions around my family being a priority for me, saying, God, the pressure of ministry at that stage, with everything we had gone through as a family, there were so many reasons we could have stayed in Joburg. So many incredible reasons, and you guys are sitting here, many of you were part of those reasons. We loved you, we still do, miss you terribly. Jealous of any, Henry Rochelle. 
But if, if my priority for my day at that time wasn't God, I'm going to realign my priority and my decision is based not upon ministry potential but upon family priorities. I would not have been where I am right now. I would have missed the season because I'd abused the day. I'd recognize the day, the, the day priority, day by day, family first, family first, family first. And what does it mean? Difficult conversations, what does it mean? And because I made those difficult decisions, I could receive the kairos. I hope you get it, and I hope that the Lord plants something in your heart. Because some of you are having to make some quality decisions about some things that you are having to change. If you want to walk in the season that God has for your life. The third one in terms of purpose is, and I'm, I'm going to spend about two or three minutes on each one to try and finish up, is that purpose, again, is simply us being with Jesus and being close to him and therefore going wherever he's asking us to go, knowing that he says, I'm with you. And then we understand that that purpose has to find reflection in how we spend our time. We have to be intentional. We cannot just allow social media and, and, and things to steal our time. We have to be intentional about it then we've got to understand that purpose always finds reflection and expression within a very specific place. Right now you find yourself somewhere. When the word of God came to them there in verse 23, it says, a windstorm came down on the lake. All right, they found themselves in a very specific lake. The Lake of Galilee was about 53, 52 kilometers in diameter, massive uh, um, big lake and in, in the year 2000, and we're, we're 18 now, 2020, we're having our Empower 21 conference in Jerusalem. I want to encourage you that you guys start booking your tickets, all right? We're going to organize a big bus tour and get as many of our people to go as well. Converge with a whole bunch of other spiritual believers from all across the world in Jerusalem, 2022 years from now. And we're going to go and we're going to walk these places, right, where the Holy Spirit impacted and released the Word of God. It was a big lake. And the word comes upon them. Jesus comes to them and says, let us go across to the lake. It wasn't Emerentia Dam, all right? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't any other dam. It was the lake of Galilee. It was a very specific lake. And so the purpose of God, you have to contextualize it and you have to make it practical for where you are right now. Your lake is different to my lake. Each place has got its different context, the weather, the culture, the language, the economics, the, the infrastructure, all of that plays a part, impacts you. I remember as a, as a boy growing up in a ministry home, we, we lived in places like Gutties and uh, Houston and Boxburg and Valfus Bay and Uppington and Beaufort West. And each one of those places were different and each one of those places had an impact upon how the gospel manifested through us. You have to make a peace with the place where you are at. Got to embrace the place. Jesus, Jesus chose to be born in, 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 in Galilee, Nazareth. Grew up in Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, in a very specific place in, in, in Judah. He became a Galilean. He might, have, he might have strolled a bit like a Galilean. I don't know how the Galileans strolled. I don't know. But they had a specific dialect. They were known for a very specific way of talking. They were for, the forgotten people almost of Judah. And Jesus chose to be born in Galilee. Galilee. And so the gospel expressed itself through him as a Galilean. Spoke Aramaic, not some high convoluted Greek or any other language. Hebrew and Aramaic is what Jesus spoke. In other words, he, he was incarnated into a specific place. And if we want to have the purposes of God flow through our lives, we have got to make a peace with the place where we are at. We've got to embrace it. We've got to love it. You know, and that's why, that's why the Lord delivered us from the Sodom and Gomorrah thing, Pretoria and Johannesburg, and we love this place. Got into our blood. We miss, we miss the vibrance. We miss the open-mindedness. We, we miss the community. 
You've got to embrace it. You've got to embrace your room where you are right now. You've got to embrace your classroom. You've got to embrace your cubicle. You've got to embrace the, the boardroom. Wherever you are right now, the specific place. If you want God's purpose to manifest through your life, embrace where you are at. And God comes and He, he enables us through the power of His Holy Spirit to, to transform the places where we are at. And I just felt in my heart that some of you, God is wanting to release authority over you to bring order to your places. But you're not going to be able to bring order to your place if you don't love your place. You've got to love it. Love the city. Love your community. Love your street. Pick up the litter. Clean up your room if, if you're a young person. Get order into your place so you can give the Holy Spirit some space to move. Sometimes our minds and our private spaces are so cluttered, the Holy Spirit can't even blow through there. It's just going to be chaos. All right? So you've got to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. I'm going to pray for some of you for your lake. God is saying to go across the other side. The lake where you find it. Some of you are just, just, just close your eyes. Father, I'm going to pray, Lord, for a couple of people here in this place, Lord, who feel like they are in prison. We feel, Lord God, that they are trapped and they are drowning and they hate the place where they are right now. God, I, I release over, him, over them, Father God, a specific vision, Lord, to see their Galilee, to see their lake like never before. For Lord, to embrace it to, see it, to see it as a place filled with fish, to see it as a place, Lord God, that is beautiful in its own right, to see it as a place, Lord God, in which you have called them to flourish, Lord. I speak an anointing of flourishing over them, and I speak freedom to the captive heart right now to come out of that prison of feeling like a victim, to feel like they've been sent here and they're trapped here, and there's no way out for them. They're going to die here without purpose and without vision and without love and I release over them, God, an anointing to prosper. God, where they find themselves right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, and I release over them a heart for their Galilee, a heart for their lake. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And the second last one there is people. If we want to understand the purposes of God, we've got to understand that God has placed very specific people around us. All right, in... in, um, Luke 22, Jesus says, let us go across the other side of the lake. Let us go. And it's, it's, it's Jesus in them. Porsche, hello. It's Jesus in them, but it's not, it's not just Jesus in Peter. It would have been so much easier had Jesus, no, hey, Peter, let's go for a walk across the lake to the other side. You know, it would have been so much easier, but Jesus, let us go and us 12 crazy, self-obsessed guys who were just out of it. You know, they wanted to call fire down the Samaritan village to destroy the village. They're fighting with one another. Who's going to be first? And who's going to sit next to Jesus one day? They were so out of it, so clueless. And yet their us wasn't their idea. It was Jesus' idea. It was Jesus' idea. Us, us being us, we here in this room, us as a Shofar Church family, us together with the rest of the body of Christ, wasn't our idea because certainly we would never have dreamt this up. We would have chosen people we like all the time, people that's the same like us, but God says, no, 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 that's not my us. My us, I'm going to put a whole lot of different people together. You're going to rub each other up the wrong way. You're going to frustrate each other. You're going to challenge each other. You're going to cast stuff out of each other. You're going to blame each other from time to time. But you are my us. And your destiny and your purpose lies wrapped up in us. Let us go across to the other side. So I want to thank you for being part of us. I want to thank you for being part of this church family. I want to thank you for, for being planted here. And if you're planted somewhere else, you're just visiting, praise God, stay planted there. 
but we are connected. And this isn't man's idea, this is God's idea. I always knew this. I always knew that Jesus was building his church, but I now know it. All right, we went through some storms last year that would have blown us into a thousand pieces had Jesus not been building his church. I've seen it, miraculous working power of God. Us is not our idea. It's his idea. Rest in that. Embrace the people around you. Our core values say that there are people to serve. We are not here to be served. We are here to serve others. Serve those in the boat around you because you're going to be with them for a long time. In actual fact, you're going to be with them for all eternity. All right, so you might as well embrace them, love them, even though they're different to you. You will not even be able to reach your purpose without us. And you look at your fingers, and you'll see that your fingerprints are so amazing. Just this word in Power 21 just so blessed me. They're amazing. Even identical twins don't have the same fingerprints, eh? And so when Jesus comes into our lives, he, he enhances who we are. He, uh, there, there's something, there's a voice only you have. It's a dance only you have. There's something that only you have. And yet God makes us one as well. He unites us with one another and says, your purpose lies wrapped up in the person sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. Us, our Father. Remain rooted and grounded to us. And that's why being part of this church family is so amazing. Ian and I have gone from being running partners to being partners in the kingdom. Amazing. The stuff the Lord has done in our lives. And then the second last one there is provision, right? If we want to speak about purpose, we cannot speak, or we cannot not speak about provision. It's impossible to fulfill your purpose unless you steward your provision well. In 1985, the Lake of Galilee was at its lowest ever, and a couple of fishermen discovered these, this boat, um, like a, a wreck of a boat that sank there, according to historians and archaeologists, probably around AD, or when they did the testing, around AD 70. Is the picture of the boat on there? Yeah, there you go. So that's the one that they discovered. They reconstructed it, built a, uh, built a model, and if, you go, and if you go with us in 2020 to Jerusalem, we'll make sure to try and get to the boat, all right? But it was a boat like this, space for about 12 guys with a space where you could sleep as well. A boat like this that Jesus chose to use to get to the other side. He didn't call Ezekiel's chariot the wheel within a wheel to get him across to the other side. That chariot that got Elijah could have gotten Jesus there quickly. Eh? Chose the boat. And they needed to row to get to the other side. No power boat in there. Philip's anointing of being transported supernaturally from one place to the other wasn't there. They had to row to get to the other side. They had to make a peace with what was in their hands. What was in the hands? Jesus got into their boat, and I've got a word of encouragement for you today. Jesus is getting into your boat. He's getting into your budget. He's getting into your skills. He's getting into your networks. He's getting into your relationships because you have what you need with Christ to get to the other side. And say, go and get us a couple of horses, and we'll go around the other side. He said, no, in the boat, this boat, I want you to go to the other side. What's your boat? Some of you need to bring your boat to the Lord this morning and say, Jesus, I'm going to stop looking at somebody else's boat and think their boat is better and more powerful and stronger. I want their boat. If only I could have their boat, I could get there very quickly, Jesus. Oh, you're so unfair. Jesus knows your boat. And he knows your boat. He's designed your boat. And often, your boat lies wrapped up in your pain. You want to watch your boat? It's probably the area of your deepest hurt. A deepest pain because that brings us to the power. 
that God has for us. And the power that God has for us lies wrapped up in the power of the Holy Spirit. But God says this to us, to the disciples, right? And we're going to read this last couple of verses. They went and they woke him being Jesus. They said, Master, Master, we are perishing. And I love this about the disciples. They could have blamed one another, right? They, uh, 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 Matthew and, and Judas, the, the bean counters, they could have blamed uh, Simon and, and all of the other guys. You're the fisherman. You should know how to row. You should have seen the storm coming. They could have done that. Maybe they did do it. I don't know. But what they did get right was they went to the right one. They went to the person who could solve the problem. Stop blaming one another. Said, Master, Master, we're perishing. Some of you are feeling like you're perishing, and you're going to speak to the Master this morning. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. Where's your faith? You know, we can, we can steward our time well. We can use our resources well. We can be faithful to the people around us. We can, we can have a heart to transform the spaces in which we are in and be faithful in the little things. But unless we put our trust in the power of God to bring the change, all of that will just be a whole bunch of good works. We might leave behind good establishments and, and good structures, but will we really have life change? And I believe that God is calling us back at this time simply to say again, God, we're putting our trust and our hope in you, in you. You are the one. You're the Lord of the winds and the waves. You're the Lord of my budget. You're the Lord of my emotions. You are Lord over my addictions. You are Lord over all of my hurts and all of my pains. You are Lord over the crime in the city. You are Lord over the corruption. You are Lord over the drought in the Western Cape. You are Lord over all. And I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. And as I'm saying this to you, I've got giants that I'm having to face. And I know that sometimes the size and the shape of the giants, they change. But the size and the shape of my God never does. It stays the same. He's still the same God that gave me victory over the giants back then. It's going to give me victory today still. Where's your faith? It doesn't have to be a condemnatory question. It's simply this. Where is your faith? Is your faith in the provision? Is your faith in the people? Is your faith in, your, in yourself? Where's your faith? And then Jesus is saying to you, put it in me again. The one that's with you but the one that's so much more than you could ever think, so much beyond what you could ever imagine. So I want to pray for us this morning, if we can stand. And I'm sure Henny and the guys will forward you the, the PowerPoint slides. You can work through that in your, in your own time. But I know that for, for some of us this morning, we, have, we just have to engage with the Holy Spirit around one or two of these areas. To come back to the place of surrender to Him. Come back to the place where, where we bring our hearts before Him. Because there's a, there's a journey, an exciting journey. There's a, a stormy journey maybe ahead, an unpredictable one ahead. But I've got such a strong sense in my heart that the Lord is, is wanting to say to us as a chauffeur family that we need to embrace Him as Lord over the storm. We need to embrace Him as the one that knows exactly where we are at. Nothing in your life catches Him by surprise. Nothing about the size of the storm, nothing about the holes in your boat, nothing about the fear in your mind, nothing about your weaknesses, about your failures, nothing of that catches him by surprise. He's still on his way with you to the other side. He still has destiny mapped out for you, people designed for you to reach, to change, to impact. And he's wanting to empower you to do that. Can we close our eyes? I want to I pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, and God, for your presence in this room. I thank you, Lord, that we can bring before you this 
this day, Lord God, our one day, our 20th of May, 2018. We thank you for this day, Father. And I thank you where this day finds your people. I thank you for every man and woman, Lord God, and young person in this room, Father, every baby as well, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you have not forgotten about us, Lord. I come against that assignment, Lord, that's wanting to lie to us. You have forgotten about us, Lord, that we are are drowning in this big lake, crying out to you, and you have moved on there. There are some of you, and you feel so incredibly disqualified from fulfilling your purpose, feeling so incredibly disqualified from being used by God. And you are constantly moving the, 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 the joy of being used by God onto the next person. And you think, oh, this is amazing word for them, and, and God will use them in this way. I'm going to say to you, if God could use me, then he can use you. God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. But I believe that the Lord this morning is wanting to bring simplification to many of our lives that have grown very complicated. He's saying to us, just come back to me. Prioritize as being with me. Prioritize as being with me. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, for your call. Going out to so many of us in this room, that there are specifically three, three young guys here between the age of 22 and 25. You've got chains and shackles of tremendous, tremendous addiction in your life. Addictions that have, that have, that have come uh, into your life generationally. Things that you have received, things that, that have trapped you and have held you bound and captive, and things that are pushing you further and further into tremendous darkness of despair. And at times, you feel like you don't even know who the guy was that first gave his life to the Lord. You don't know what happened to him. And the Lord is coming for you this morning. Like he came for that young man that was trapped in that demon-possessed body. He's coming for you. And he has sent me from Summers to West to you this morning to declare freedom to you. And he's wanting you to embrace God's purpose for your life. He's wanting you to say to him, Jesus, Jesus, that's all. That you would just call upon his name. Don't make promises. Don't, don't make big vows to him to say, Jesus, call upon his name. Call upon his name. Cry out to him. Call upon his name. He's here to set you free. And the young man was found clothed sent into his community as an evangelist so God has got a purpose for your life. So as a young lady here, you're 26 years old and I'm saying young and the Holy Spirit just dropped into my spirit because you don't feel young, you feel old. You feel used and abused and, and discarded. You feel like the best years of your life are gone. You feel like you've given away so many precious things. You feel like, you feel like this massive big gum boots have just walked all over your heart, all over your life, over your innocence and over your purity. And the Lord is saying to you this morning that he's, that he's got a calling upon your life and an and, and anointing upon your life to be like the Marys in Scripture. They just hung around Jesus. They hung around him in spite of the Pharisees. They hung around him in spite of the crucifixion. They hung around him in spite of the grave. They just hung around him. And he gave them a portion together with the believers. It's an anointing in your tears to bring healing to many, to generations to come even. And there's someone here, you actually love your car very much because you've invested a lot. You've been working for it. You've been dreaming about it. And the Lord this morning is asking you to lay your car down, to lay your, your it's almost like an obsession. And, you, and right now your heart is beating fast and you're like, no, I can't do this. And the Lord is, and I'm hesitant to do this because I don't want it to come across as manipulation, but I just feel the Lord is saying to you, he's got something better for you. It's not necessarily something physical, but he's got a, he's got a better vehicle for you. 
He's got better space for you. He's got, he's got more freedom for you than just you being spending all of your time in this thing. And if you would lay it down to the Lord, if you would say, God, I'm trusting you to take me where I need to be, that you'd be surprised at what he's going to do in your life. I also sense that there are three older couples here in this room and there's tremendous trauma in your extended family. Tremendous trauma between you and your brothers. The one couple and the other couple, there's tremendous trauma between you and it's like a mother-in-law or your, or your mom, not, not sure exactly. And then there's someone else and there's tremendous trauma with your grandchildren. And just the potential for, for that to increase. And God is, is wanting to release over you an anointing like what's upon Simeon and Anna. To remain in the temple of the Lord, to remain in the courts of God, to call out upon God, not to give in to the spirit of despair, not to see what you have that you have built up and worked for being stolen in front of you, but you've got to engage with the Spirit and and, and, and I sense one of you, you're not, you're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. You need to come to be filled with the Holy Spirit because there's there's a dimension to your life still to come. The God is wanting to release over you. And there's someone, you've got your own business, you're in a managerial position, and the Lord is saying that He's raising you up to, to be a father, but it's like an older brother father, and He's, he's, he's anointing you this morning to, 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 to find the rhythm between being alongside people and walking ahead of them. And, and you don't see yourself as a father yet, but the Lord is saying that he's, he's anointing you this morning. If you would embrace the anointing upon your life, the call upon your life, to be intentional and purposeful about raising up the younger, younger men around you. It's going to bring great, great momentum. And there's someone here, and it's, um, you've been walking with the angels on one stage of your life. You, your eyes of discernment were so clear, so real. And you allowed just this cloak of bitterness just to come upon your life. And the Lord is just wanting you to feel the flutter of the angel wings again. You're that close. You're that close. You would embrace the supernatural again. You would embrace your sight to see because you've, you've seen some things and you made some mistakes in seeing and what you communicated, but the Lord is saying, He said, holding that against you and, and you feel like the key's been thrown away to your heart of discernment and you've lost and you've become numb. God is wanting to open up the door of your heart this morning to feel like it's just like a fresh wind of discernment just flowing into your life. There's some more people here this morning. The Lord is just wanting to anchor you in His Word. It's not going to leave you. It's not going to forsake you. We would love to pray. There's also someone you've got like a lower back pain, left inside of your, of your back. The Lord is wanting to heal. It's been coming on, on and off about two and a half years. Also someone else, left shoulder pain is just growing stiffer and stiffer. And God is just wanting to touch and, and heal that. And also someone you suffer with just severe migraines, so starting at the base of your neck and then going up. The Lord is also wanting to just heal this morning. And then someone else, you have tremendous conflict at work. Tremendous last three and a half days, three, four days. Tremendous conflict. That God is saying that he's, he's called you to be a peacemaker. Minister of reconciliation. In that environment. Releasing authority over you. But it's going to come from your heart. I just see you standing in the coffee machine and just handing out these cups of coffee. And wrapped around it is just the, the label forgiveness. Just wrapped around it. And then you would dispense forgiveness just there where you are. Just the first person that I, I spoke about when I, in the middle of the service about the spirit of isolation. If you're not here at the front yet, you need to come. I think there were three. You need to come. 
So that's a supernatural assignment to isolate you. And that assignment is wanting to spill over from you onto your children. And you need to break it this morning. You need to break it this morning. You need to break it. There's life inside of you that needs to flow into the body of Christ. God, I thank you for your anointing upon this congregation, Lord God, the sword of your spirit, Lord. I thank you for the angel of this church, Lord God, Lord, to, to bring your word with clarity, to bring your word with decisiveness, to bring your word like a scalpel, not, not as a battering ram, but as a scalpel that cuts cleanly. Lord, I thank you for the release, the anointing of release upon this congregation. I thank you, Lord God, for the financial provision, Father, wrapped up in this congregation, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for the arrows being shot forth from this congregation. I thank you for the next level of authority, Lord God, to see transformational change happen in communities, God, in Jesus' name. I thank you for the anointing, Lord, to take the Galileans to places they haven't known before. I thank you for anointing to love the Galileans where they are living, but also to inspire them to go to the capitalists and to go to the Samarias and to go to the ends of the age, ends of the earth, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for an anointing, for an anointing, an anointing to see Kings, uh, Lord just showed me that many kings would come into this room with broken, broken crowns, smashed up crowns, crowns broken, authority broken, confidence and boldness broken. And the Lord says, in this place, where's Henny? I just want to pray for you, Henny, quickly. Father, I thank you for an anointing God upon him. Lord, would you show me, God, that there are many crowns in this place, Lord, wrapped up the treasures of the spirit of this place that you are giving the custodian of this vision, Lord, to give to others, to put upon their heads, Lord God, to replace the crown of despair, the, the crown of, 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 of uh, just disappointment and failure, and to, to replace that, Lord, with a crown of authority, a crown of service, a, a crown of service, Lord God, like never before, where, where these champions, these men, these women, I sense also an anointing to raise up women, Lord God, to, to see them raised up, Lord, and to leave this place with great authority. I sense, Lord God, an authority, Lord, to speak into the area of politics. And God, to see men and women raised up here. They will be influential in the area of civil government and civil change, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name, Father. Lord, and I release that authority authority over Henny together as he's standing proxy for the rest of the leaders, Lord God, in this congregation, the elders, Lord God, to, to impart, Father God, crowns of authority, but authority rooted in such tremendous humility. Nobody will notice the crowns, nobody will see the crowns, but it will be crowns noticed in heaven. It will be crowns carrying an authority in heaven in the name of Jesus, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just speak to the Lord. Just, just there where you stand. Just speak to the Lord. Speak to Jesus. Just, just give him your heart. Just surrender to him. Just surrender to him. Just surrender to him. Just surrender. Just breathe in. Just breathe in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Just let go. Just let go of the heaviness and the yokes and the shame. We break the power of shame in this place in Jesus' name. Lord, the disqualification of shame and of failure in Jesus' name. We thank you for positioning in the Spirit. There's someone here and the Lord comes to you like... He came to the woman at the well and to the adulterous woman and saying, He's put the word that Shana had. He's put His fingerprints all over you. You are fearfully, beautifully, and wonderfully made. Beautifully, fearfully, and wonderfully made. You are His. You are His princess. You are His. 
You belong to Him. He has shaped you and woven you. And Lord, we release a spirit of such boldness, Lord God, just to declare your word. Father, over the women in this church, Lord God, we come against the assignment of intimidation against the women in this church and in the city, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for a spirit of boldness, Lord God, humility and beauty, Lord God, but such tremendous boldness to just declare your word, Father. In Jesus' name, to love, to love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, just uh, while the facilitators are praying, uh, you guys can start praying so long. I just want to ask, um, you know, in all of our lives, storms will come that can destroy us. In all of our lives. And um, the only reason the disciples had to not be afraid and to not be destroyed was because Jesus was in their boat. And, and I just want to ask you, is Jesus in your boat? Because the reality is um, the storms that destroy come against Christians and non-Christians. But the only, reasons Christian, the only reason Christians are not destroyed is because Jesus is in the boat. And if Jesus is not in your boat, then, then you should be afraid. You should be very afraid. Then you are in danger of being destroyed. So I, I just want to I, I appeal to you, if Jesus is not in your boat or you're not sure, Jesus wants to be in your boat. <laughs> He wants to be in your boat. Sometimes he's going to look like he's fallen asleep. Sometimes he's going to look like he's, 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 uh, he's, he's quiet and, and he's not noticing what's going on in your life. Um, but if you're a Christian, then you can, all, you can always call out to him and say, Jesus, Jesus, Master, help me. And, so, and, and some of you need to do that. Some of you, it feels like, some of you Christians, it feels like Jesus is asleep in your boat and you need to call out to him. You, 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 you're complaining to your friends about the storm, but you're not calling on your master, the one who can speak to the storm. You're not calling on, on, on him enough. So if you're standing there and you know that there's a storm in your life and there's danger in your life or in your family, now's the time to call out and say, Master, Master, save me. Master, save us. But if, but if, if you're not sure that Jesus is in your boat, then please don't leave this place until you've made sure. Please come forward and please allow us to pray with you and to, to, to minister to you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.com. Dot Jarberg.